This is Frank Dominguez for the WDAV Piedmont Arts Podcast. This time, my guest is Matthew Diffie. He's been contributing cartoons to the prestigious New Yorker magazine since 1999, and his work also appears in Time, Esquire, and the Huffington Post, among others. An exhibit of his art in the Co-Gallery at the Hickory Museum of Art through July 8th is called One Man Group Show, the Cartoons and Other Art of Matthew Diffie. It features original drawings for his cartoons and illustrations, and for the first time, he'll exhibit the other artistic endeavors, including realist landscapes, abstract paintings, and collages. Matthew Diffie joins me now by telephone. Welcome, and thank you so much for making some time to talk to me. Hey, thanks for having me. Now, many of us doodle, and many of us get art supplies as kids and encouragement. When did you realize that this wasn't just going to be a diversion for you, that you were in this for life, so to speak? Hmm, that is a good question. I, uh, you know, I was always the kid that was drawing, and I was always, you know, a little bit gifted and a little bit better than others around me. Um, and, you know, that encouraged me to work on it more, of course, so I've, I've always been that guy. And I guess I got serious about it in college and started, you know, and studied art and, and, and uh, did some exhibits outside of school. And then I got kind of lured away from real art, fine art. <laughs> by the cartooning things. I also always had an interest in, in comedy. And, um, you know, I, it was touch or go whether I was actually going to be able to do it for a living. You know, it's hard to to get to get that going. So it took me about seven years. I sold my first cartoon to the New York when I was 29 years old. So um, I guess that's when I realized I was going to do it for a living. I'd, <laughs> I was hoping up until that point, but... Do you remember the first cartoon you drew? Not necessarily the first one you published, but the first one you ever drew? Well, I actually do, and this is a, a bit of a weird story, but there was a, a a little comedy news fair. I was living in Boston at the time and was hung around with a bunch of comedians. I was trying to do comedy, stand-up comedy at that point, too. Um, and they they were started publishing, an, uh, I guess it's similar to The Onion uh, in Boston. It was called The Weekly Week, uh, America's only redundant news source for news or something like that. And so they asked me, you know, it was just fake news articles and stuff, and so they asked me to do a fake political cartoon. Um, and the assignment was just to, just to make a cartoon that made no sense at all. It would just, you know how political cartoons, they often have like little arrows and little labels labeling different things. Yeah. Like in, industrialism, you know, whatever. Um, so we did just a nonsense cartoon with a bunch of like heavy cross-hatching ink lines like most editorial cartoons. That was the first cartoon I ever drew in it. Made no sense, um, but it ran in that newspaper, and you know we thought it was hilarious. And our our twenty four year old, you know, rule breaking selves thought it was really funny that we ran a cartoon that was going to baffle everyone. I bet it was funny, and it sounds like it was would be especially funny to somebody who's uh, 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 really appreciates the art of cartooning. The way you talk yeah. about the cross hatching and the labeling of different things, I, I can really right. picture that. And then, yeah, it was in a couple years after that, I sold my first New Yorker cartoon. And, and what was that one? Do you remember? The very first one was um, uh, uh, a man on the street holding a sign, the homeless man, sort of trope that the New Yorker uses so many times. And he's holding a sign that just says, we'll ask for money. So it's a little bit subtle, but that was my very first one. And then um, that started things off. The first year, I, I, you know, was so excited about doing it that I did 15 ideas a week. You're only supposed to do 10, which is still a lot to to, to draw up and sketch form and pitch. And I was doing 15, and 
did that every week for the whole first year, and I sold four cartoons. But I was actually really thrilled with that because I had been wanting some place to do my work for so so long that it was it was nice. But it was you know some some dues paying in those first years for sure. How does one go about becoming a professional cartoonist? How do you break into the field? Does it require an agent or something like that? No. Um, there, there are very few places. Like I'm a single-panel gag cartoonist, mostly. That's what The New Yorker does. And apart from The New Yorker, there's just not that many other magazines that do it. Harvard Business Review and, um, I guess, Playboy, if you do that certain type of subject matter. <laughs> um, but there used to be, you know, 20 magazines, you know, that you would sell ideas to. Maybe you start at The New Yorker and then you work your way down and eventually sell all your ideas for the week. But that is long gone and now there's mainly just the New Yorker. So it's 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 you know, in, impossible to get in there really because there's I don't know, fifty or a hundred of us right now competing for twelve or fifteen spots in the magazine. And I actually got in because I won a contest. Uh I was trying to be a real artist and trying to be a comedian and kinda of failing at both and I heard about the New Yorker doing a cartoon contest and the cartoon editor at The New Yorker was the judge. So I figured, well, shoot, I'm doing both parts. I might as well put them together and try this. So I submitted some cartoons, and just, I mean, fortune fell on me, I guess, and I won the contest and met Bob Mankoff, who was the cartoon editor at the time, and then I started submitting. So I got my toe in the door um, in a very unlikely way. And then the other way to do it is just to, you know, just to cold submit to The New Yorker and... uh, Hope you get in, but it's, you know, there's just so much material. I did books called The Rejection Collection, which feature all the rejected material. Because, I mean, 90% of our stuff gets rejected, all of us, you know, no matter how good we are. So, um, yeah, it's, it's they, they don't need another cartoon. They don't need another cartoonist. You've got to really prove you've got something special. Have uh, you ever considered uh, combining your stand-up comedy interest with the cartooning? Like I'm in I do that. that. Um, I show some cartoons, and then I'm able to tell a joke or two in between. It's kind of nice. It's the best way to do stand-up for me, because people aren't looking at me. That was always the problem. I got nervous. But now they're looking at the screen, and I get to read the cartoons, and those are sort of stepping stones through the night, and then jokes in between. So it's, a, it's the best way for me to do stand-up now. Let's talk about this exhibit at the Hickory Museum of Art. How did that come about? It came about because I was actually promoting a book. I had a book come out a few years ago or three years ago called Hand-Drawn Jokes for Smart, Attractive People. And I'm sure many of your listeners qualify. <laughs> and I was promoting it, and I was on book TV. I believe this is what happened. And the former, um, Lisa, the former uh, curator here, or director, I guess, saw the interview. And in the interview, I joked that I you know, used to do real art and I still do it in my spare time, and if there's any museum or gallery owners out there, please get in touch. And so she was watching, and uh, she got in touch. And this was almost, I think, over two years ago. And so we've been trying to put it together since then. Um, she's since retired. Um, but that's how the show came together. And then, you know, as we got closer, we had to figure out what the show was actually going to be. And I knew it was going to be, you know, my New Yorker cartoons plus other stuff. And it just seemed so funny that it was... I do totally different kinds of work. Like, abstract work is very different from my landscape paintings, and that's all very different from the New Yorker cartoons. So we had the just the idea to call it a one-man group show because it looks... If you walk into the gallery and you didn't know better, you would look like three or four different artists. So 
that was the gimmick. That was the idea. And then I just started looking through old stuff and then painting new stuff to go with it. And it feels really great to see all the stuff I've done. I, I didn't realize how much I've done, I guess. That's what happens when you stick around long enough. This may be a naive question since I'm not an artist and have never had an exhibit of my work, but are there any plans for this exhibit to be shown at other museums? We've talked about that. There, the, the, the different sections of the show could easily move around, I think. Um, and again, I'll just throw it out there. If there's some gallery owners, museums that want to have some of my work, get in touch. Um, yeah, there's. I think there's 60, no, 40 New Yorker cartoonists, or New Yorker cartoons, and that could go somewhere. And then there's another 50 abstract paintings. Those could go somewhere. And then another 60 or something landscape paintings. And Yeah, they all could. I think, I guess the whole unit could travel somewhere, but it's more likely I think the individual sort of styles could go somewhere. That'd be fun for me. I would enjoy that. I'm a classical music radio host, and if I step out of that role and show the world a different side of my talent, say, as a singer or an actor... I sometimes find that a little unnerving. I imagine that since you're known as a cartoonist, it must be a little bit daunting to present yourself as an artist in these other forms, too. I don't know if daunting is the right word. I'm loving it because I, that's what I wanted to do first. The New Yorker or, or cartooning really came to me late, like I say, at 29. So I'd already, I'd already tried to be a fine artist for a decade. So it's, it's in a way, it's more stepping back into my comfort zone, oddly. That's fascinating, because I was thinking I'd follow up by asking you. I bet it's also gratifying, too, and I think you just cut straight to the gratification yeah. part. <laughs> now, if I was trying to sing, I would know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> My guest has been Matthew Diffie. The cartoons and other art of Matthew Diffie are on display in the Co. Gallery at the Hickory Museum of Art through July 8th. Matthew, thank you so much for speaking with me. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. This has been the Piedmont Arts Podcast, presented by WDAV and powered by Ortho Carolina. Subscribe to this podcast at wdav.org slash subscribe. And follow us on Facebook for classical music news, humor, and programming updates. WDAV is a service of Davidson College supported by listeners like you. Find us on the radio at 89.9 FM and HD1, streaming at wdav.org, or on our mobile app, available at Google Play and the iTunes App Store. Thanks for listening.